Church, we are so glad um, that you are here with us. We are in week two, uh, or week three of a series called Life of Generosity. And one of the things that I just want you to center yourself around is that we have a generous God. And by following this generous God, he has called us to a life that matches his generosity. And so we are just walking through what does it look like for us who have a generous relationship with this God and person in Jesus Christ? What does it look like for us to be generous? And this week we're talking about what does it look like to be um, generous with our talents? We're talking about three things really this um, series is our time, our talents, and our treasure. And this week we're talking about talents. And as I was preparing for this, I remember I shared this with our staff. Um, early on when I had arrived, and uh, it was a story um, about from a guy named Simon Sinek. You, maybe you know him. He is uh, an American author, and he got to spend time working with a group. Uh, you might know them, the Navy SEALs. And in working with the Navy SEALs, he was asking this question to them. Like, how do you pick um, who goes on the team? Like, this is the best of the best of the best. And how do you get them on the team? How do you pick who's on your team? And they did this um, little really easy thing. They said, there's just two really evaluations. And we put them on two lines, uh, an x-axis and a y-axis. And one is performance and one is trust. And they say, like, so performance is um, their, their actions on the battlefield. And then below is their actions and performance off the battlefield. And coming to them, he said, um, what are you looking for? They said, well, everybody wants the high performer, high trust person. Like, this is your dream child, right? High performer, high trust. But nobody wants someone that is a low performer and a low trust person. But they said, what often happens, and you'll see everywhere, is you'll see the high performer with low trust. You see them all over the place. They're leaders. And he called them, said, these are people who are toxic leaders. They're really, uh, are performing. So he goes, they will, you'll trust them, um, on the battlefield, but you won't trust them in your home. And so they said, well, then what are you looking for? And some said, said that Navy SEALs who are looking for the best of the best will, will take people who have high trust, medium performance, or even low performance. So the best of the best of our military will take people that are medium performers, low performer, but have high trust. Because these people show up. They show up on the battlefield and on the, on the... So you said, when you go around and you say, who's the person that you trust the most? He goes, you will talk to the same person. And if you talk to the person that's the highest performer, you will talk to somebody who is really good at doing their job, but they are terrible human beings. And I thought about this as, as followers of Jesus. We talk about what does it look like our talents, that we are people who often are, are kind of understanding of what our talents look like and what does it look like to be disciples of Jesus who use our talents. We are often thinking of the things that we do. And I want to look at our text this morning that comes from Romans chapter 12, but I want you to, to hear this. As we talk about what does it look like to be people and lives of generosity with our talents, if you are, have a life of generosity as a disciples of Jesus, you take from the person of Jesus someone who shows up. That a life of generosity looks like people who show up. And so we are going to deep dive into what does it look like to be people who show up with our full selves. So if you want to turn to me, turn with me to Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 7. Uh, if you have it in your hand, it'll be on the screen or even digitally in front of you on um, an app. Those are great as well. And so I want to read this together um, as we center ourselves on God's words. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the patterns of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by grace... For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body and many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to one another. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you this morning uh, in different places, but God, I ask that you would do one thing, that you would open our hands, that you would open our ears, you would open our eyes and our minds to receive from you this morning. God, we are not here um, to live into a ritual. We're here to experience the living God who shows up. So Holy Spirit, come from wherever we're at. Take us off the treadmill, God, and let us walk with you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Church, the text starts this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. We've talked about in this series, we're talking about a few words. We're talking about investing, that we're changing our understanding when it comes to a life of generosity. We're not asking and wondering how we're going to spend things, but how are we going to invest in the kingdom, that the kingdom of God, that following the disciples is not just how we use, but how we invest and also in there, we talked about a few weeks ago, Pastor Mark introduced um, a story uh, and a parable that was talking about the 10 gold bags. And he was talking about being good stewards, which stewards is a good way of saying that we are called to be good managers of the things that we have in our lives. And so we've talked about our treasure and we talked about talents. And if we are being invited to be good stewards of our lives, our call is not to waste it, but to show up. And this is the way Paul talks about it to the church. And these are brothers and sisters in Christ, followers of Jesus, gathering together. He's saying, offering your body as living sacrifices. Like that might be seem weird to you, but offering system was actually pretty commonplace in, in Judaism and the people of, of Israel is that there was a lot of places that they uh, cast offerings. There are offerings um, that you could do on top of to uh, have blessings and reconciliations. And there was a place of offering. So it's not weird for him to say both to the Jewish people, but it might be a little weird for the Gentiles, maybe in Rome. And so for maybe you, it's like, hey, what is this offering? And really what it means is it's an offering that you are saying, I'm putting aside what my will and desires are and leaving towards Christ, that we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God, 
to God and generosity. And it comes out of a motivation that we have a Christ and a God that's so generous. And then out of that generosity, we're offering our full selves. We're offering you who you are, everything that you are right now, that we offer it, not a complete version of who you are going to be, but who you are right now. They're saying, just as you are Romans, fully, fully Romans and full citizens, following Jesus, figuring out what does this look, this new life looks like, that we are called to be disciples who offer our full selves. But then Paul also says it in Ephesians a little bit, and it kind of ties with our parable that we talked about a few weeks ago with uh, Pastor Mark. It says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants to do. Those two words should ring with us, that in the parable, there are two uh, classifications— the two that were wise and the one that was a fool. And the one, the two that were wise are ones that offered themselves, that were good stewards of the talents and the get bags of gold that were given to them by their master. And the fool was the one who in fear hid it. And so when we're talking about living lives of generosity, being good stewards, that we have purpose with everything that we are. How we live, like we got to pull that away from not everything you do. Because right, how many times when we meet somebody new, it's like, hi, my name is, what do you do? And as a pastor, that is my like worst nightmare, right? Hi, I'm Austin. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Well, good to meet you. See you later. Like it's just sometimes this awkward moment where I am now utterly defined. And we're talking about being generous people with not what we do, but with who we are. He doesn't say, good Roman citizens, I urge you to offer your jobs, your skill sets. He says, no, I offer your bodies as living sacrifices, everything you are to Christ. That if we are to be generous people, we're not, please stop, don't, don't just offer what you do. Offer who you are. Generous lives, followers of Jesus, offer their lives, not just what they do. And so in there, the passage kind of continues to move on, and it says, you know, he starts to talk about all of these gifts that um, are given and how you use those, right? And so in context, right, he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, and now that you have gifts, offer those as well. Like, live in those, that we are many parts and members of one body, and we need you. Like, so much to say— that in that passage, it says that, that everyone doesn't have the same function. I dare say that if we are not offering ourselves living generously with who we are, we're missing a part in the body of Christ. We're missing without you. If you aren't understanding that you play a critical role in who we are as a body of Christ, not only here at Pine Lake, but in the broader kingdom-oriented, that you have a place both to play here at Pine Lake, but also in the world around you. It's a both and, not either or. And so as we talk about this, you might be thinking like, you know what, Austin, I don't even know my giftings. I have no idea what I'm gifted at. I don't know um, what my purpose is. I don't know even if I have a gift. The good news is that even if you don't know your gifting or your purpose, God is still wanting to use you. 
That wasn't flipped around with Paul says, hey, if you can prophesy, prophesy. If you can give, give. If you can teach, teach. And then if you who all who can't do anything else will sit on the sidelines. You're good. No, he's saying like, come offer your whole selves, all of who you are. And then even in that text, Paul says this, because I think Romans in that world had a high view of who they were, right? Romans were the cat's meow of the world. They were setting up the, the road, and they were connecting commerce everywhere. They were the height of power and authority in all the places. And he's saying to them, of all people, have a, don't have too high of a, of a thought or an experience of who you are. Humble yourself. But can I say this? I think for us— Maybe we don't have such a high view of ourselves. Maybe we've kind of ingrained this place where we are told to be humble. And then humility for us looks like pushing down ourselves, making us smaller and lesser. And that's a false humility. I wonder if today, and maybe someone needs to hear this, that you wouldn't have a high view of yourself or, and, and call people down. You have maybe, don't think of yourself too, you know, in a little fashion that what you have to bring is not enough. That we have sometimes too lowly of an expectation of who we are and our gifts are and what we do and who God has formed us right now. That most of us don't come around with our heads and egos so big that we can barely get through the door. Like for most of us, we can fit through with room to spare. Because we have such a low view of who we are and humility and who God has made us right now that we kind of come and we shrink, that we could be like Alice in Wonderland. We could fit through the small door. He doesn't need to grow anymore. But I'm wondering if you sit here and say, it's not so much about what your skill set is, but who you are that matters to Christ. So stop thinking of yourself in such a low esteem. Maybe somebody needs to hear that this morning. Maybe you're here in person or you're online. You've thought so lowly of yourself and the church has made you feel like you have nothing to offer. I want to tell you right now, stop thinking so lowly of yourself and see yourself in the way that Jesus has made you to be. And I think about this in the, in the best way. You want to know one of the things that um, really kind of steps out in, in my heart when we talk about this, about even if you don't know your guests, you, you know, the person that, that really uh, um, stands out to me and, and who does this well, no person has ever come up to me, and I've been, I was in youth ministry for over 10 years, and no uh, person who I was ever recruiting to build my youth ministry team, and especially like, you know, a lot of people when you're building youth ministry teams, your high school people come and you get those pretty quickly. But no leader has ever come up to me with a resume saying, I am the most gifted, talented, and equipped middle school volunteer you're ever going to need. Like, the hardest thing that I'm like, man, I need a middle school volunteer. And if I came to you and I was like, man, Mark and I are coming after y'all, y'all would all be like, see you later. There's a quick door right here. I'm going to be gone, right? That all my time, people are like, well, what do I do as a middle school leader? And there's times where I could be like, I could set up a full expectation of what um, is required by a middle school leader. But you know what I've shortened it down to? Show up. My best leaders in middle school even are, are not people that have a full qualification, are middle school teachers, middle school counselors, have kids that are middle schoolers, but people that just desire to show up. And in that showing up, the middle school um, leaders become the people that are so endeared to those students because there's consistency about not what they bring, their flashiness, it's their consistency that shows up. They're not bringing any gifts, they're bringing all of who they are. These are the best middle school leaders because they don't know yet maybe their gifts. They don't know why, but 
They are called. And so church, this is what we're talking about. As we say, what does it look like to be people of generosity? Read this. Maybe write it down. Maybe you need to hold on to this. Maybe put it in a note on your phone. Take a screenshot. Put it on your um, wallpaper in on your phone. But it says, God doesn't call the equipped or the gifted. He equips the called. Can I tell you how many middle school leaders have I shown up, have just shown up and have no idea, eyes wide open, going, first night, I want to quit right now. But they say, man, I don't know why I would ever choose to be a middle school leader. I have no idea why I would ever show up and be in this place where this chaos is reigning, when their um, hormones are out of craze, their ideas are out of craze, they're just everywhere. They have more energy. I have no idea, but I'm showing up consistently, and God is using them in ways they can never dare dream or imagine. Church, when we talk about being people or generous lives, it's not about you have the best resume, the best giftings. It's that you show up. And God begins to do things that you can't even dream or imagine. Like these middle schoolers, leaders. Now all of a sudden, Mark, you're going to have like a ton of middle school leaders. Uh, But they are incredible Because as you show up, we believe that God shows out. This is a phrase that that I hear a lot from Mark Batterson saying, is that when you show up, God shows out. Or put another way, when you do the ordinary thing of showing up, God is able then to start doing the extraordinary. Offer yourselves as living sacrifices, everything you do, that our purpose in life as disciples is to offer ourselves as living sacrifices so that wherever we go, wherever the Holy Spirit has called us, we show up and God begins to show out in and through you. Think of your own lives. Think of your own lives when somebody has shown up. What did they show up with? Did they show up with their talents, their answers to all the questions that you've been dealing with? Or did they show up, sit with you, walk with you for a moment, for a season, and those stories that say God started working in is because they showed up in your life. Not because they brought you the answers. I think this is so interesting. And sometimes it might be like, well, duh, Austin. Of course that makes sense. But sometimes I like to point out some of the obvious things because in the obvious things, I begin to deeply connect and hold on to the truth. When God's looking at humanity, and when humanity was a place of needing deep reconciliation, that God said, man, I'm going to send my son to that place. I'm going to have him born in Bethlehem. He's going to be a Nazarene. Those are great people. Not really. And I'm going to make him a carpenter. And you know how he's going to save the world? With his skills of carpentry. Like, think about that for a second. Like, we often think that we sh- when we come and what we're desired from us is for God to cause us to bring our talents to save and to fix what has gone wrong. But in the purpose of Jesus, God didn't send Jesus so that he could fix our and reconcile us as human beings to God with his skills of carpentry. 
That Jesus says that he came to earth, that he could no longer be separated from his creation, from his people. That God had to, to send his son to show up in human form and to humble himself so that we might know who he is. That in his presence, he didn't, wasn't saved by creating or forming or crafting the cross that would be beautiful and perfect. He showed up and saved us by carrying the cross that somebody else made. It wasn't in him building a contraption that had him the ability to bring up the cross and put it in place in the most beautiful and uh, precise way, manner. He did it by carrying it. He did it by showing up. He did it by carrying the weight, by putting himself on the cross, to be nailed on it, feet, hands, hung there, and then waiting and breathing deeply and showing up. The stories and scriptures are full the power of happens when people show up, not with their gifts, but their willingness to say, here I am, Lord. Use me. All of who I am. All of who I am. And in this lies of generosity, we look at a Savior as a Jesus who doesn't save us by what he does, but by who he is and how he shows up. And it should radically transform how we think about God and being alive in lives of generosity with our talents. It's not your talents. It's who you are. Because who would you be? What would your talents be if you had nothing to offer of who you are? And so I think about this, like in ways, in practical ways that, that, that happens in our church, that if you show up, when people have shown up, babies get held. And when babies get held, they get to receive the love from somebody else who's not mom, who's not dad, who's not brother or sibling, and gets to understand that love can, this unconditional love can go from somebody who is not biologically in the family, but can but can receive the love unconditionally because God loves them. They have the ability to understand that love and unconditional doesn't come just from the parents, but comes from this community, this fellowship. When we show up, kids learn that from your story— they learn from who you are or how you've engaged with Jesus Christ, how your faith has had stumbling blocks, high points, peaks, valleys, all the places that God has interjected himself into your life to say, man, that was only God moving. When you get to be with kids, when you show up to do ministry, to walk alongside them, they get to learn about the God that you love. And by learning about the God that, love, that you love, they begin to love as well. When you show up, Middle school students find the safety to be exactly who they are and at the same time find out that God loves them exactly who they are. In all of their chaos, in all of their growing, that he loves them exactly who they are. That when you show up, people find out that there is a community here at Pine Lake and a community out that is ready to welcome them before they bring anything of a resume that proves that they are worthy. He says, we are better with you than without you. That when we show up, the person who needs to know that they are not alone has somebody who is not filling out and answering all the questions, but is willing to sit with them, to walk with them, to be committed with who they are and who they know Jesus to be, and that is enough. That when we show up with our loved ones, 
They get to see and know that we are a priority to them. When we show up, we get to offer forgiveness and restoration and begin to heal brokenness when we show up. When you show up, you get to realize that God doesn't just want to use your gifts and talents. He wants to use you. And trust me, church, I'm saying all these things, but here's the biggest thing. When you show up and you offer yourselves fully who you are, God begins to use you. Not just to use you for the sake of the kingdom, but you receive as well. That when you show up, that you get to engage in God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that begins to work in and through you, that gets to see that it's not just using you for the sake and the ends, but begins to begin to say and build in you that I see you. I know your insecurities. I know the places that you feel like you've fallen short. I know the places where you think you don't want to do this or that, or you are not good enough. But you get to engage a Jesus who says, I love you, that you are more than enough. And that whatever you bring to the table is good because that's who you are. The life of generosity doesn't stem from what you can give, but what Christ gives to you and then flows out into everybody else. Like what Kyle said a couple weeks ago. You're a colander. You're not a bowl. You're a colander that as God, as you show up, that this Holy Spirit, Jesus, is pouring into you his love, his affirmation, his desire to see the kingdom grow in and through the ways in which you show up in the church and out of the church. That as you begin to do that, as you begin to receive all of this, that you are good, that you are worthy, that I love you and that I need you, and that we are better together with you, that I have planned you to be a part of the body, not something that's discarded off, that just gets to attach to us, that you are fully adopted sons and daughters, heirs of the Most High King. When you show up, you bring that to the table. I am a son and daughter of the Most High God. I am fully loved, fully accepted, fully valued. And so can you. He has the same thing for you. And so church, when we talk about being people here at Pine Lake that want to be people that reflect the most generous giver in Jesus and in God and the Holy Spirit, that we want to match that generosity, not in what you can bring or what you can know and expertise, but we want to be generous people that learn to show up so that God can show out. Show up. See what God can do in and through. See what you can do when God says go and you say, I don't have all of the gifts and the talents. I don't have it all figured out. But see what happens in your relationship with him when you put yourself out there like history has of all the faith, um, you know, Moses, Aaron, all the people that showed up and God showed up through them. It wasn't just that the world began to go know God deeper and through them that those individuals that showed up knew God intimately. We talk about this one last thing. That our capacity, we've said this for weeks and weeks, our capacity for generosity reflects our depth of discipleship. Hear it one last time. 
our capacity for generosity reflects our depths of discipleship. And your depth of discipleship is not what you can give only, but what you have received. That you have received and received and received from a generous God who loves you, who has made you, who has knit you together in your mother's womb, that knows everything about you, your characteristics, your personalities, and says, this is good. Now pour that out into others. Our capacity for generosity reflects our depth of discipleship because we love Jesus and we know that he has called us to offer ourselves to Christ and to one another with exactly who you are. And your gifts and your talents and what you bring are a bonus. Can you hear that? It's a bonus. Because I believe a God that cares more about who you are than what you can do. And we at Pine Lake mark in that deeply in our hearts as a core conviction that we love people for who they are, not what they can do. Church, it's time to show up so that God can show out. Would you pray with me? God, we just ask. We pray that whatever hesitancy is on our hearts and our minds, our lives, God, maybe right now it's not so much that people don't want to show up, but maybe we're waiting for someone. We're so in need for someone else to show up in our lives. God, my prayer is that we would be people who both show up in the grand ways, in the the things that take the most face and most trust, but that's not aside from the willingness to show up and to sit with people. So God, in my own heart and our convictions, it's behind like that we would be people that sit with one another in our homes, in our coffee shops, our workplaces, at church, Jesus, you showed up and offered all of who you are to anybody that would have it. And it's what saved us. We've been adopted not by what we bring to the table, but because we have a good, good father who loves us, who made us. It's a God. Come, Holy Spirit, move. We ask this in your name.